Content warning, explicit love scenes, dangerous mermaids, and sexy merman secrets. Guaranteed HEA with no cliffhanger. Intended for mature audiences. A new morning means a new beginning, a new struggle, a new endeavor, but with the Lord by our side we can overcome any challenges and turn obstacles into stepping stones. Wake up every day stronger than yesterday, face your fears and wipe your tears, don't close the book of your life when God has not finished writing your story. Never hang up when God is still on the line with you. Hang in there. God is still working on your case. If you are making a stopover it means you take pleasure in my stories, you are welcome. If you are new here, this is Mermaids, you are welcome to dive into centuries of mermaid lore with this captivating tales that brings together legends of mermaids from around the world. The oldest and most popular mythical being, mermaids, in all their alluring, mysterious glory. Mermaids is a treasury of tales about water spirits and merfolk from different cultures, from Scottish selkies to Hindu water snakes to Chilean sea fairies. I am your hostess Anna Karen Nina. Today we will continue with The Merman's Kiss, Part 2. A sexy, sleek-tailed monster. Xantu has evaded the mate bond for 35 years, dodging promiscuous mermaids with vile intents. Unlike mermaids, mermen bond for life, and Xantu refuses to accept the heartbreak most mermen die of. That is, until the glint of gold catches his eye, and a simple salvage mission turns to passion. Now he's bonded to a human. A woman looking for a reason to live. Brianna thinks her life is over after the loss of her child. Instead, she falls into the arms of a merman who is anything but cold-blooded. He's wild, seductive, and sets her blood on fire every time he touches her, and soon she begins to need him for more than his magic to breathe underwater. He might just give her a new purpose. But as dangers encroach from every side, Xantu must choose, keep his new mate at his side or keep her safe. Either way, he's sure he'll end up with a broken heart. Content warning, explicit love scenes, dangerous mermaids, and sexy merman secrets. Guaranteed HEA with no cliffhanger. Intended for mature audiences. Xantu cradled his mate in his arms after making love again, free-floating in the center of the clearing. She rolled over to snuggle her back against him, and he flexed his tail to maintain contact around her bottom and legs. You've curled up like a little shrimp, he teased. Through the mental connection, she huffed indignantly. I'm not sure I'll ever get used to floating around all day. Can we go lie on the bed? He pushed her hair aside to dot tiny kisses behind her ear. I just realized you have something to offer no mermaid does. He slid one hand along her spine and cupped her bottom, fingers following the crease to discover her still slick opening. We can do it from behind. Brianna stiffened, her skin trembling with tiny vibrations. Fear, not excitement. He halted his caress. Does that position offend you? 
Are you sure I shouldn't concern myself with other merpeople? The worry he'd made of faux pas suggesting a new position was flushed away in a brine of adrenaline. Already she was thinking of other men. Yet her thoughts weren't full of lust. Why do you ask? I think there's someone watching us. Releasing his embrace, he whipped around in front of her, eyes scouring the kelp wall she'd been facing. Had lawyer tracked them down after all? When his vision revealed nothing, he loosed a sonic query, reading the bounce back for any irregularities. He knew this kelp forest like he knew his own fins. A flash of turquoise silver caught the edge of his song. Familiar colors. Familiar shape. The tension in his shoulders and dorsal fin relaxed. He sang a playful coup, an invitation. Ebby, come out. From the floor between two crustacean-covered rocks, a tiny face appeared. Hi, Uncle Zantu. What are you doing? Where's your father? The sonic query should have revealed the larger shape of the merman or at least elicited an answering song. Perhaps his brother had spotted Brianna and fled. The merchild remained partially hidden in the rocks, large eyes even more gigantic as they rested on Brianna. What's that? Of course the child would be frightened, and Brianna's thoughts weren't exactly calm at this moment, either. He pulled his mate from behind him by the hand, singing and thinking at the same time, Ebby, this is Brianna, my mate. Brianna, meet my nibbling, Ebby. Ebby slithered out from between the rocks, mottled turquoise skin shifting to blend with the darker greens and purples of the muscles behind. Oh my god. A baby. A real live mer, what are mer children called? That. Mer children. Zantu smiled. Snagging the bit of silk from the cradle and wrapping it about her hips, Brianna approached the child clumsily and settled to her knees against the stone and shell floor. Is it a boy or a girl? Mer children are sexless until puberty, Zantu sent, only half listening to her. Ebi was far too young to be wandering the kelp alone. Where was Rubak? Had something attacked his brother's nest? Now you'll be broken like dad. A thumb crept into the child's mouth. Zantu ignored the unintended barb. Where's your dad? With the new baby. I'm hungry. What's it saying? Brianna's undercurrent of thoughts thrummed with eagerness to touch the child, but she held back. Which was good. Mert children were wary of females. He didn't need Ebby fleeing into the kelp. He made the effort to think as well as sing his interactions with the child. New baby. So Didra's there. Mermaids often arrived at a mate's nest pregnant, seeking a safe place to give birth before wandering off again in search of more lustful prey. And mermen, in spite of themselves, lived for those gestational interludes. No. She left. Ebby's song shifted to a higher key of worry. Now dad won't get up, and I'm hungry. Dread filled Zantu's chest. Mermaids might not be the best mothers, but they stuck around to nurse their newborns for a few weeks, at least until their mates had lined up a local sea lion or otter mother to provide milk. If Didra had split early, Rubak would not only be fighting depression, but struggling to feed a new child. Entire mer families had met their end for this very reason. Brianna, Ebby is hungry, he both said and sent the thought. Would you mind getting some food? While Ebby followed Brianna to the table, Zantu patrolled the edge of the clearing, sending a long-distance note to his brother to ask if he was okay. No answer echoed in return, so he called upon the nearest senorita fish to carry a message that Ebby was all right. Ebby's high-pitched protest drew his attention to the table.
I said don't touch me. The spines on the child's dorsal fin splayed like sharpened claws, and the mottled turquoise tail had darkened to grey. Brianna held one hand out, thoughts full of curiosity, acting as if she hadn't heard. Your tails can change colour? The child's angry. Zantu propelled himself over and put a hand over Brianna's. He should have warned her to keep her distance. Ebby, calm down. She didn't mean anything. I didn't mean to cause trouble. Brianna clasped her hands in her lap. Is she deaf? Ebby. Back toward the kelp. No, Zantu made a point of both speaking and thinking the words. She's a human and hasn't yet learned our language. Why don't you help me teach her? She won't touch you again, I promise. Ebby paused. Let's start with your name. He looked at Brianna and pointed to the merchild, saying, Ebby. Brianna made a face and recoiled slightly. You want me to sing? Like this. Taking her hand, he pressed it to his breastbone. The note vibrated from him once again. Wrinkling her nose, Brianna opened her mouth and emitted a pathetic trickle of noise. Ebby giggled. I can't sing. Brianna crossed her arms and slumped in the chair. Pull from here. His hand brushed Brianna's nipple as he sought a spot below her breastbone, and he had to forcefully redirect his thoughts to the task at hand. Her enjoyment of his touch filtering through their mental connection didn't help. With an inner sigh, she sat up. This time her sound was a bit stronger but still pitiful and far off key. He joined Ebby in laughter while Brianna glowered. You just asked a starfish to rub your belly. I told you, I can't sing. You just need practice. Try to make it lower, he thought, again repeating Ebby's name. Squaring her shoulders, she let out a long grunt that rose and fell. Oh. Ebby dashed to the nearby rocks and disappeared. Zantu swallowed back dismay. You just tried to summon a school of Barracuda. Fear laced through the thought connection, and she clung to his arm, looking around. I did? There are none nearby, thankfully. How could this be so difficult? Ebby's name was an easy note. A baby name. He throttled his thoughts, hoping none of his frustration leaked through. Ebby, come out. There's no danger. I want to go home. I know. I'll take you soon. I can go myself. I don't want you out there alone. What's the child saying? Ebius. Small quick form was already darting away, keeping low to the rocks. Ebby. The child's trickle of sonic guidance clicks faded in the distance. The child should not be roaming the forest alone. And then there was Rubak's condition to consider. And a new baby. Zantu needed to be sure everyone was all right. He turned to Brianna and caressed her cheek with his fingertips and leaned in to brush his lips against hers. I need you to stay here. I must check on my brother. Can't I come? I'd love to meet him. Mermen do not bring their mates to another's nest. It's forbidden. Why? I don't have time to explain. You must trust me. Before she could argue more, he slithered between the kelp toward his brother's nest. Brianna hovered in the nest's gentle current, unsure what to do next. She hadn't been able to follow Zantu's conversation with the child, but she could only assume the merchild was in danger. Their singing exchange had sometimes contained notes barely within range of Brianna's hearing, and she wondered if there were other notes she hadn't heard at all. 
She tried to send her thoughts to the child the way she did with Zantu, but there'd been no response. Then she'd wondered if maybe they had to touch each other first. Bad idea, apparently. And now her tone-deaf singing had driven the child off for good. She prayed Zantu found Ebi before anything bad happened. To kill time, she explored the clearing, admiring the way he'd integrated human items with ocean-based needs. The sea sponges for a mattress, the mother of pearl inlays on wood. When she bored of that, she tried to nap, but without Zantu to be her anchor, she felt exposed. Alone. She was on the bottom of the ocean. Naked except for the scrap of silk she'd pulled from the cradle. At least she didn't need air. For how long? She wished she'd asked him. From beyond the thick kelp wall, a constant humming and chirping reached her, as if she were in a forest full of birds and insects. She supposed the fish and crustaceans were the birds and insects of the ocean. Curious, she put a hand through the fronds and pushed them aside, as if peering through curtains. A bright orange fish met her gaze, seemingly as curious about her as she was of it. It wriggled there, looking at her expectantly. I don't have any food for you, little guy. A mottled brown and white fish with a spiky dorsal darted up and nipped at the orange one. Hey! Be nice! The mottled fish darted side to side then hovered in front of her face, bulbous eyes moving independently of each other to look everywhere but at her. The small orange fish returned, this time with a friend, and once again the brown fish shot out to attack it. The orange fish let out a pitiful cry, and Brianna found herself pushing through the kelp to come to its rescue. Stop it! All the fish scattered. Clear of the nest's confinement, she took the opportunity to survey the kelp forest. A rock wall covered with vibrant purple and pink mossy growth drew her attention. Unable to resist, she floundered forward to take a closer look. The wall teemed with fish and other creatures. A purple speckled octopus bubbled out of a crack in the rock to slither down the wall and away as if indignant about her visit. A golden-shelled snail plodded a trail over an outcropping while small red shrimp darted across the surface around him. You know how clumsy I feel in the water, I bet, she thought at the snail. Something stung her foot, and she jerked her knees up, realizing she'd stepped on an anemone. The sting burned like crazy. She grabbed her foot to look at the red welt striping her ankle. Twisting to keep from touching another anemone, she flapped her arms and legs and managed to gain some altitude. Without Zantu here, it seemed her body naturally wanted to be on solid ground rather than float. She'd have to pay better attention. A small shark zigzagged by, startling her. She gulped, wondering if there were any larger ones lurking about. Putting her back to the wall, she decided she should return to the nest. Plus, her foot hurt like crazy. She spun to retrace her steps and realized she wasn't entirely sure how. Layer upon layer of kelp all looked alike. How far down the wall had she traveled? Stupid Brianna. He told you to stay put. The mottled fish with the dorsal fin nudged her hand. She pulled away, regarding it. After the anemone, she was extra cautious. But it merely hovered there, eyes rolling every which way as if it were a sentinel task to guard her. Maybe she could find the crack with the octopus again and go from there? She fluttered her legs in that direction, limbs growing tired from the effort of staying off the bottom. What she wouldn't give for a life vest right now. She glanced at the canopy above. If she surfaced, would she be able to breathe there again? And if she did, would she lose her ability to breathe water? She could barely remember why she'd wanted to drown herself, was it only yesterday? 
Now she had a sea god for a lover, a mate. She could imagine eternity, safe in his arms. And why not? Eric already thought her dead. Going back would solve nothing. She'd been given a new chance at life, at love, and, perhaps, at motherhood. She kicked her legs again, searching for a familiar landmark along the wall. What if he never came back? She banished the thought. He had to come back. They were mates. Of one mind. The missing mental connection felt like a hole inside her. Out of curiosity, she mind-called, Zantu. Only silence. Overhead, the curious orange fish appeared again, as if inviting her upward. Was it singing to her? Maybe she should swim up to the top of the wall and get a better vantage point. She kicked her legs, propelling herself upwards with none of the grace Santu could call upon. The mottled fish followed her, keeping close to her left ear, it sung a funny little cicada buzz. At the upper edge of the rock, the current grew stronger. She kicked harder, trying to keep close to the wall. The kelp forest up top was impossible to see through, but she thought she saw something move. Something large. Sharks returned to mind, and her heart accelerated to dizzying speed. She stopped kicking and allowed herself to sink again. She should just return to the seafloor and walk along it like before, sea anemones or not. Up here she felt out of control. A broken leaf spun through the current and caught her across the cheek to flap over one eye. She clawed it away. When she could see again, the mottled fish was no longer in sight. Kelp fronds bumped her legs, grabbing her as she struggled against the current. The more she kicked, the more tangled she became. Panic seized her. She thrashed against the restraining strands. While the kelp held her legs, the current continued to push against her torso, and she found herself lying on her back, staring at a wave-tossed slice of blue sky. Leaves covered her eyes, bound her right arm to her side, locked her legs in place. What sounded like a laugh reached her, but she could no longer see. Without thinking, she screamed, the sound rising from deep in her gut. She knew it was louder in her head than in the water, but what if she'd just called another school of barracuda? Or a shark? She clamped her lips together and sent, help. With all the force she could muster. Zantu. Help. How was he going to find her, so far from where he'd left her? Water stung her eyes and nose. The kelp felt like it was crushing the breath out of her. She struggled against her bonds, wondering if she'd die down here after all. Zantu found Rubak lying on a mound of sea sponges, a newborn curled on his chest. The nest was a more traditional merman's nest, with none of the human detritus Zantu loved to collect, other than the toys he brought for Ebi. The merchild was already there, glowering from behind a dollhouse. Brother. Zantu approached the prone merman through a seaweed garden eaten down to stubble. Rubak opened his lime-green eyes. You've come. Ebi showed up at my nest complaining about a new baby. Didra said she'd be back. His voice held a minor key that boded ill for any merman. But I know she won't be. Zantu wanted to find the golden-tailed mermaid and strangle her with her own yellow hair. Need help getting milk? Rubak waved a limp hand heavy with rings and what he called his prayer bracelet through the water. There's no point. Zantu. 
took a closer look at the baby. The tiny knob of a tail lay limp across his brother's chest. A shock of ebony hair floated loosely in the current, but skin that should be mottled with newborn. Color remained pasty. Had Didra left because the baby was dead, or was it the other way around? His chest ached at the loss. Rubak, I'm sorry. Will you take Ebi for me? Zantu's throat tightened. Mermen were very good at deluding themselves that their mates would be back any moment. Good at focusing on the children she brought them, in spite of a broken heart. Until his heart had enough. And once a broken heart fell apart, there'd be no return. Zantu couldn't allow his brother to just give up. Remember when dad left you in charge while he went to find medicine for that cut on his tail? How it felt to think he might not come back, and how we'd gone searching for him. Don't you think Ebi would do the same? I knew he'd come back. I just wanted to go exploring. Rubak's mouth twitched upward, as if he wanted to smile but couldn't. Sweeping the floor with his tail, Zantu kicked a flurry of small shells and debris at the merman. I'm serious. Think about how we felt. You want... Ebby to feel like that. Rubak's reply held a key of despair. I need you to help so I can try to elevate the baby's soul. If Santu's throat had been tight before, now his entire chest felt as if it were about to cave in. His brother's love of mermith and magic could sometimes be entertaining, but in this case, it would likely prove deadly. The myth of elevation said a great blue whale could free a mersole from the cycle of the sea. But blue whales only lived out in the wild deeps, far from the safety of the kelp forest. Zantu and his brother had braved it several times before Ebi was born, Zantu seeking salvage while Rubak spoke to the smaller whales and other creatures. Back then they'd had nothing to lose but themselves. Now's not the time to go chasing myths. He reached for the limp form on Rubak's chest. Why don't I take care of the baby? You stay with Ebi. Rubak's arm closed tighter about his dead child. I have to try. A living child needs you. You can't take risks like we used to. That's why I need Ebi to stay with you. Ebi needs you, brother. You love Ebi, and you don't have a mate yet, so, Uncle Zantu has a mate now, Ebi sang from behind the dollhouse. The heart-wrenching drama with Rubak had almost made Zantu forget about Brianna. He hoped she wasn't too frightened. Although he'd verified no predators were near, every muscle in his body suddenly burned with the need to get back to her. Yet his brother needed him as well and just as badly. He was torn between two worlds. Rubak rose from the mound of sponges and stared at Zantu. You've been caught. When? It's a long story, and I don't have time to tell it now. But I can't take Ebi. I need to know you won't abandon your child to pursue a myth. She's a human, Ebi threw out, holding up a long-legged, naked doll. No tail. Rubak blinked, frowned at the doll. He turned again to Zantu, his lime-green eyes now shrewd with curiosity. Human. I told you, it's a long story. Zantu pulled away, relieved by his brother's apparent return of clarity. She's waiting for me at my nest. Waiting? Oh, you have been deluded. Rubak put a hand on Zantu's shoulder. I'm so sorry. I thought you might be one of the lucky ones and escape the bond. Human women are different. You're serious. Rubak settled back onto the sponges. You've bonded to a human. Indeed. I want to hear all about this. His brother's innate curiosity gave Zantu a bargaining chip.
Promise you won't abandon Ebby and head off to the deeps, and I promise to come back in a day or two and tell you. Ruback seemed to think for a moment then nodded his head. I won't abandon Ebby. Zantu blew out a string of relieved bubbles. Once he was more secure about leaving Brianna in the nest, he could come back to fulfill his promise. Thank you. I need to get back to Brianna. She's never been alone. He pushed aside the screen of kelp to exit the clearing. Remember your promise. I'll see you in a few days. You too, brother. Good luck. Zantu slipped through the stalks, relieved by his brother's return to his senses. At least he hoped. Ruback was okay and wouldn't abandon Ebi for a myth. But Zantu had other responsibilities than his brother right now. Zantu sent out a thought, unsure how far the link might travel. He'd lost contact not far from the nest. Nothing. The brown-spotted sculpin he'd left to watch her was supposed to come find him if there was trouble. Not the best guard fish but more reliable than the capricious orange Garibaldi fish who often served mermaids just for fun. He jetted through the kelp, pulsing his sonic query ahead to clear the way. The kelp thinned as he exited Ruback's territory and reached the ledge down to his own. He jackknifed over a lip of rock, shooting straight for his nest. Shoving through the thick wall of kelp into the clearing, he smiled in anticipation. He'd never had a mate to come home to before. Inside the nest, he looked around, and his smile faded. Brianna? She was nowhere in sight. He added a sonic query. Gone. Of course she'd left him. That was what women did. He'd hoped a human would be different, but obviously not. Why would he believe she was any different from any other female? Yet a dark cloud of doubt enshrouded his soul. His nest was far from land. How could she expect to strike out on her own and reach safety? There were predators, riptides, mermaids, and other dangers. Without fins or tail she'd be at the mercy of the current. He had to make sure she was safe, even if she had left him. He slid out of the nest and searched for the sculpin guard. Missing, of course. Creating a song for the simple creatures in the area, he asked the whereabouts of the human. As one, the creatures pointed toward the rock wall nearby. An orange Garibaldi giggled and darted away, trailing a few friends. A flutter of panic leaked through Zantu's mind. He darted after the Garibaldi through the rocks and between kelp, calling ahead with both mind and sonar. Even with the current, she shouldn't have drifted far. Where was she? A brown speckled sculpin poked its head from behind a sea fan on the floor, its mind relaying the feel of rising toward the surface and the pull of the stronger current. Sculpins were bottom dwellers, and the creature's own instincts had overridden the directive to watch Brianna. Zantu should have known better than to trust a sculpin to report trouble. Cowards, everyone. Another panic wave rippled through Zantu. Was the feeling his own or something he was receiving from Brianna? Speeding toward the surface, he called with both voice and mind. Brianna, the panic in his chest grew stronger, and now he recognized it wasn't all his. A word whispered through his mind. Help! Brianna! Where are you? As he entered a thick section of kelp, the words grew stronger. I can't breathe. God, hurry! He spun in place, searching the surrounding forest. He could detect nothing awry. The mind connection gave him no sense of direction. Can you sing to me? Call me. No. There's something nearby. I'm afraid. The kelp, her thoughts were muddy, 
but the panic remained sharp and clear. Summoning a song deep in his core, Zantu formed a command to every creature within range. Protect my mate. The water churned with activity as nearby creatures passed the message along, low foghorn calls from a nearby black jewfish, buzzing from a school of perches, and low against the ocean floor, the B-A-B-A-B-A of a few sea bats. And then a high bark from a sea lion, a warning about invasion of territory. Zantu. Homed in on the call, racing between the stalks until he spotted the whiskered face of the local sea lion male. He'd interacted with the creature before, and it tolerated. Zantu in what it considered its domain. What is it? The sea lion bared its teeth with unusual aggression and responded with the note sea lions used to warn competitors away. Zantu tilted his head to look out of the corner of his eye submissively. You know me, brother. I'm not here to hurt you or your family. I'm looking for a human. The beast circled him, the whites of its eyes showing starkly against sleek brown fur. It grunted a story about a mermaid playing games, using the kelp to trap and drown his harem's babies. Stomach churning. Zantu ground his teeth. A mermaid would find Brianna even more fun to toy with than baby sea lions. Take me there. The big animal somersaulted once and shot through the kelp to an area shorn from its holdfasts to create a floating mat of greenery. Thick stems tangled in the canopy, yanking more stalks loose as the current continued its relentless path. In the distance, the shouts of the sea lion's harem met the taunting giggles of a retreating mermaid. The big male bellowed and sped in that direction. Zantu coiled himself to follow then spotted glints of skin amidst the tangle of kelp. A naked foot peeked from within the mat. Realigning his trajectory, he tore through the mass toward his mate. I'm here, he thought as he yanked the stalks and debris free. Pushing aside mats of flat leaves, he searched for her face. Her thoughts had drifted into a hazy calm. Almost non-existent. He tore a leaf aside and found her eyes staring at him. Through him. No. Immediately, he placed his lips over hers and released a stream of bubbles into her mouth. Brianna, breathe. Her body barked the kelp still binding her limbs. She couldn't die. Again he kissed her lips, trying to recall exactly how he'd done it when they'd first met. It was one thing for her to leave him, return to the surface. Go back to her life there. Knowing she lived, he, too, could live on. But if she died in his arms, he'd have nothing to live for. Please, Brianna. I love you. Free me, she thought. The ache in his gut twisted sharply. Wrenched him to the core. Reminded him she'd left the nest, swum to the surface to seek escape. Even now, she sought to be free of him. He wished he could mimic that desire. The bond he'd thought to find a way to break had only strengthened as time passed. He was as trapped by the bond as she was by the entangling kelp. Clawing at a handful of stalks, he tore them loose. Another handful. Unleashing himself on the inanimate plant matter, he shredded away thick stems and fronds and let them drift away on the current. You shouldn't have left me, he growled, his thoughts a boiling stew of emotion she probably couldn't decipher. He wasn't even entirely sure what he felt except that it hurt beyond anything he'd ever thought possible. He wanted to hurt her and hold her at the same time. The moment he jerked the last bond free, she wrapped her arms around him and buried her face against his shoulder. Oh, God, thank you. His frenzied emotions dissolved like salt in water. Embracing her, he savored the feel of her warmth against him, the sunshine scent of her skin that had so captivated him.
How could she hold such control over him? It didn't matter. He was hers, now and forever. And she was alive. Don't leave me again. She gripped him tighter. She was toying with him, of course. Using him when she needed him only to throw him away the next chance she got. His chest ached, as if the mate bond might squeeze the life out of him. He tried to read her thoughts, but his own were too stormy to see past. I thought you wanted to be set free. I wanted free of the kelp. Did you think I meant free of you? Why else would you have tried to reach the surface? She pushed away from his chest to look into his face. I didn't. You were gone so long, and I got bored. There were these fish fighting, and I thought I'd break it up. I know it was stupid. I should have stayed put. The current sucked me away. I couldn't find the nest again. Then I hit the kelp and, Anne. Her. Thoughts catapulted over one another, saturated with raw terror. I thought I was going to die. A wave of relief rolled over him. And guilt. The connection of their thoughts couldn't lie. I promise never to leave you alone again. He curled his tail up to caress the sensual curve of her bottom with his fin. Her legs still fascinated him, and the way she could embrace him with both her arms and legs during lovemaking drove him mad with lust. She sighed within her mind at his caress and spread her thighs. Her mind radiated trust. Commitment. Love. His cock bulged and thrummed against its sheath, demanding release, demanding the satiation of her heated core, but he held back. He wanted to savor every moment he could to make her want him as badly as he wanted her. He roamed his hands along the curve of her hips, thumbs grazing the slight hollows of her hip bones until they found the downy mound of fur between her legs. So soft, so hot, the mound pulsed as he cupped his fingers over it, slipping between those sensual legs. She traced her hands over his arms, up his biceps, around his neck. He dipped his head to kiss her, fingers massaging her labia even as his mouth plied her lips open to receive his tongue. Her fingers reached the top edge of his dorsal fin and traced both sides of it down his spine to his hips. His cock sprang free. Still he ignored it, enthralled by the erotic gyrations of her hips against his hand. Leaving her lips, he found a breast, taking her nipple between his teeth to nibble gently. Her fingers clawed into him, her mind spiraling with both pleasure and pain. He'd need to be cautious using his pointed teeth against her tender skin. Still massaging her slick nub, he moved to the other breast and drew the nipple to a barnacle hard peak before tracing kisses along her belly. She bucked and strained against him. He wrapped his other hand around to cup her ass and dipped his head between her legs to rapple. Ace's fingers with his tongue. She tasted as good as she smelled, and bucked harder against him, her thoughts yearning for penetration. As you wish, he sent, and plunged a finger into her. Her interior ridges quivered around his finger. He slipped a second inside and discovered that cricking his fingers while plunging her depth sent her into a cascade of pleasure. The shared mental connection to her shuddering climax nearly had him spilling his seed into the surrounding water. Keeping hold of her sides, he slid up her length to find her mouth with his again. His cock entered her core as easily as an eel returning to its den, smooth and graceful and a perfect fit. She sighed in mental satisfaction and lifted her face to kiss him. I love you forever, he thought as he sent his seed deep within her. Like a baby otter, 
Brianna lay atop Zantu's chest, while yards below them the kelp canopy undulated in deceivingly benign patterns. She reached up and broke the water's surface with one hand, the droplets on her fingertips refracting the setting sun into tiny rainbows. Drawing her hand back into the ocean's embrace, she ran her fingertips along the rippled muscles of Zantu's abdomen. The thought of going back down through the kelp to his nest terrified her. Being apart from Zantu terrified her. Everything about this ocean terrified her. More than terrified her. As both adrenaline scare and coital passion subsided, she realized she was angry as hell. How could you leave me alone like that? Zantu hugged her closer, his tail rhythmically sweeping the water. I'm sorry, she shoved at him, flailed as he released her, then clung to him and pounded his rock-hard chest instead. What if you hadn't made it back in time? Did you realize I'd stop breathing? I left a skull pin. To watch over you. A fish. You left me in the care of a fish. A mistake, I admit. He grabbed hold of the fist she'd been pounding against his chest. I don't know why you had trouble breathing. The breath bond is supposed to last until the new moon. Perhaps that mermaid broke it. A new fear took root in the pit of her stomach. Breath bond? Is that a spell? What if it gets broken again? I won't leave you again. His face was hard with resolve. Not until I know how to keep you safe. His evasive answer shifted her fright into suspicion. That's not what I asked. As long as I'm near, I can renew the bond. She stared upward at the darkening sky. You can't possibly guarantee you'll be at my side every moment of every day. His mind was a maelstrom of ideas until he settled on a tentative thought. My brother might know of deeper magic. Her fist tightened beneath his palm until her nails dug into her flesh. I'm not letting you leave me alone again. No. I won't do that. What then? She asked, hoping mermen had some way to communicate over long distances yet knowing they didn't. If they had, he could have simply called his brother the first time. You'll come with me. In spite of the wall he'd tried to erect between their mind connection, horrific images flashed across her vision. A frenzy of mermen tearing one of their own limb from limb. Blood filling the water. Horrific silence as they departed, leaving the dead to feed the fish. She gasped, salt water catching in her throat. Who are those mermen? Zantu's chest rose and fell in a sigh. Remember I told you taking a mate to another's nest is forbidden? The punishment for breaking the pact is death. Her heart was beating so fast she thought it might explode. But, even your brother? My brother's not like other mermen. He'll hear me out. The words he sent were steady, yet she could detect a falseness to his confidence. Why such harsh punishment? She asked. Most mermen are solitary creatures, avoiding both maids and men alike. His arms tightened around her. Unfortunately, weaker mermen have been known to indulge a mate's desire and reveal the locations of fellow mermen's nests. Any merman not mate-bonded would likely be forced to mate, no better than a slave. Any who rejects her faces her wrath, not only toward himself but also his children. Entire families have been destroyed by a single mermaid. A nest is supposed to be a sanctuary. A safe place, hidden among the kelp away from predators and mermaids. Revealing a nest's location is one of the gravest sins. Carrying out punishment is one of the few times mermen will gather together. She swallowed, unable to erase the violent images from her mind. I don't want you to get hurt. Rubak and I share a special bond, 
closer than other brothers. We spent many years together exploring the wild deeps for treasure and knowledge. When Didra caught him I thought our relationship would end, but he's strong. He trusts me to visit his nest. To care for his child. What if you left me at the surface? She squeezed him tighter, pressing her face against his chest. I could tread water there and breathe until you got back. His already dark thoughts became stormy. The surface is not safe. Predators can see you from below, waves can bury you from above. And other humans could find you and take you away. He didn't say the last part, but it carried across his thoughts unbidden. She stroked her fingers along his dorsal lovingly. I do not want to leave you, my love. A shiver passed over his skin, and guilt soured the mind connection. I'm trying to trust you. But all I've ever learned of women tells me otherwise. From what little she'd learned, and seen, of mermaids, she knew he was fighting an uphill battle. She wanted him to trust her. Believed he would in time. And she had to admit, the idea of fending off sharks or trying to keep her head above crashing waves sounded as unlikely as surviving a journey to Rubak's nest. If the surface is out, there must be another option. Where'd Rubak learn about the magic? Can we go there? Bubbles streamed from his nose. The wild deeps would be more dangerous than taking you to Rubak's nest. I think Rubak will understand the special circumstances. Especially since you've already met Ebi. Her thoughts returned to the merchild and the reason Zantu had left the first time. Is Ebi okay? Ebi is safe for now. My brother's the one who concerns me. Zantu's. Thoughts blurred and wavered with uncertainty. Why? His new baby is dead. Most likely stillborn. His. Stillborn? The mind connection with Zantu popped and seemed to fizzle, as if shorted out. An unexpected tsunami of memory slammed into her. The first sound of her baby's heartbeat. The smell of new paint in the nursery. The sensation of that first fluttering kick from deep inside her. And then the day she'd realized the kicking had stopped. The pain of fruitless labor and delivery. Blessed unconsciousness from blood loss. And finally, Eric standing in the hospital doorway telling her he'd already taken care of things. She'd been unconscious five days, and the ashes had already been scattered. The sting of water in her nose and throat yanked her back to the present. Water squeezed from every side, forcing the breath from her body. She realized she was gasping, and there was nowhere to be found. Zantu's. Hands grasped her face, and she felt his mouth against hers. Her lungs eased immediately. His kiss was tender, gentle. Infused with love rather than lust. An anchor in her storm. He tilted his head and traced kisses along her jaw, his hand stroking her back as if gentling a horse. I believe I understand now why you came to me, his mind whispered to hers. She might not have a physical voice, but her thought was choked with pain. He took her from me. I never got to say goodbye. I'm so sorry. He gathered her in his arms. Maybe it was because of the mind connection, but the genuine shared grief flowing from Zantu's thoughts was stronger than all the combined words of comfort she'd received from family and friends. Definitely more than she'd received from Eric, who couldn't understand why she wasn't grateful to escape the chore of a funeral. She broke down and sobbed against her mate, truly cried as she never could with Eric. Zantu held her tight, saying nothing, because he didn't have to. It was enough that he was with her. Enough that he wanted with all his heart to make things better. She cried from the pit of her soul, 
and the ocean accepted her tears as its own. After comforting Brianna's grief, Zantu carried her through the night-dark kelp. Her thoughts were sorrowful but solid. Something inside her had changed, as if brackish water had been washed away by an incoming tide. She'd been through a lot, even before he'd met her. How lucky he was to have a mate who not only wanted to stay with him, but also wanted children. Children they would raise together. The anxiety he felt about approaching his brother's nest was caught up with the desire to share news of his lucky pairing. Who would have guessed a human would make such a perfect mate? He pumped his tail and carried them toward Ruback's nest. Hopefully night would mask Brianna's proximity while he talked to his brother. Some silly part of him hoped he could get away without Ruback. Ever being the wiser about having his nest revealed. Another part hoped his brother noticed and wanted to meet his mate. He'd always wondered how a merman could be so weak as to take a mate to see other mermen. But now a part of him understood the draw of wanting to introduce your bondmate to your brothers. Brianna clung to his shoulders, thoughts numb with exhaustion. Adrenaline kept him moving. He sent sonic queries ahead to guide his path. A merman was never blind as long as there were landmarks for echolocation. One danger of the wild deeps was the vast expanse of water with nothing physical to orient himself with except the current. He prayed his brother had the answers they needed, because a trip to the wild deeps would be unthinkable with Brianna in tow. He reached the thick wall of kelp surrounding Ruback's nest and unhooked Brianna's arms from his neck. Guiding her hands to a barnacle rough stone, he thought, stay exactly here. I'll be just on the other side of this kelp. If I need to bring you into the nest, do not make eye contact. Do not interact. Most importantly, do not make physical contact of any sort. You saw what happened with Ebi. Pretend you're invisible, okay? She nodded into the darkness, which he felt as a slight ripple of water. He stroked her cheek with his knuckles and then brushed her lips with his. She was too beautiful to ever be invisible, but his brother was already mated and should be immune to most female charms. Thinking of her charms ignited a fire low in his belly, and he had to rein back his desire. Now was not the time nor place. Turning from her, he pushed aside the thickly woven kelp, Normally he'd have announced himself before entering, but he wanted to forestall Rubak's. Sonic Query Once Zantu was inside, Rubak's shorter query would hopefully miss Brianna's presence outside. Moving past the kelp, he approached the mound of sponges Rubak normally rested on. He knew the layout from previous visits and moved with confidence to within an arm's length of the bed. Ruback, it's Zantu. No answer. Not even the shush of water against Finn as Ruback or Ebi stirred. Ruback. Ebi. Still the clearing remained silent. He chirped another query and read the bounce back. Nobody was home. He sent a louder query, verifying the other objects in the nest. Ebius toys were right where the child always left them, and the mound of sea sponges was undisturbed. Nothing seemed out of place. Zantu's heartbeat sped up until it pounded in his ears. Something wasn't right. He returned to where he'd left Brianna, relieved to find she was where he'd left her. There's nobody home. Where do you think he went? He rubbed a hand through his hair. All he could assume was that. Ruback had taken the baby's body to inter it in the reef at the edge of the wild deeps. Why his brother had decided to do it at the edge of nightfall was a mystery. Probably the baby's funeral. Oh. Her thoughts grew dark, her own loss a sharp background full of scars. Shouldn't you be there, too? 
Her concern for his brother in spite of her own mental state touched him. Funerals are rare and very private when they happen. Most Merfolk die in seclusion, and the dead are undiscovered until their bones have already scattered to the sea. When a loved one does find a body, it's taken to the edge of the reef and tucked into a crevice. The idea of Ruback at the edge of the reef, where the kelp dropped off and the wild deeps began, made Zantu nervous. Especially at night, when large predators rose to hunt. Ebi wouldn't be able to keep up the same pace Ruback did. The child would have to rest. Yet sleeping would be impossible with the current continually flowing out to the deeps. He sent a long-range query through the kelp. A flutter of night-feeding damselfish but nothing else. The forest felt too quiet. He didn't like being outside the protection of a nest. We'll wait inside. I imagine he'll be back in the morning. Won't he be angry to find us here? Probably. But I'm not taking chances sleeping outside with you. He elbowed aside the kelp curtain and pulled her through. The current inside the nest was much weaker, and he relaxed his grip around her waist. Do you want to rest on the bed, or would you prefer to float? Her fingers tightened around his forearm. I can't see a thing. Exhaustion from the day's activities all seemed to drop on him at once, weighing him down like a bottle swamped with seawater. He could have called on the plankton to light the place, but it seemed easier to simply make the decision. I think we'll rest on the bed tonight. He carried her to the tuft of sea sponges and relaxed, allowing their combined weight to settle them into the cushioning surface. Brianna turned to spoon herself into his embrace, her sleepy thoughts full of contentment, lulling him to sleep. He murmured a lullaby into her hair, you are my sunken treasure. She sighed and snuggled closer. The gentle trickle of water over his skin soothed his sore muscles, and he fell into a deep sleep. Wow, I cannot believe how quickly time passes. And so another broadcast has come to an end. Thank you so much for spending time with me today. I truly hope you will join in again on the continual of the Merman's Kiss. Mermaids has been prepared and read by me or hostess Anna Karen Nina. Take care and keep safe. Beneath the stars, face to face, I told you.
心上，风来自。